Welcome, everyone, to Dinging Corners, a baseball podcast powered by Slab Stocks. I'm Nate, here with Jimbo. What's up, what's up, everybody? And we are here to talk Tops Series 1 and Jimbo's Prospect of the Week. But, but, but before we get into that... Not not even before that, sorry to cut you off, Nate. I just want to say we're officially... I, I didn't say this in our pre-meeting, but it's officially baseball season now that the Super Bowl is over and I completely forgot until just now. Hey, Let's go. It is, it is officially baseball season because pitchers and catchers have reported and that means beautiful, beautiful baseball is here. Amazing. The best. best. It really is. The best. But you know what's not the best? Uh, Allow me to rant here for two seconds. Might be two seconds. Might be two minutes. Might be 20 minutes. Tough to say. I would pick the over. We were, Jim was picking man. the over. Um, you want to put anything on it? <laughs> uh, whatever. Probably. Uh, I would say a Tigers card, but they're not worth anything anymore these days. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Jimbo, Jimbo kind of uh, hints there his Tigers fandomship and my Brewers fandomship, and I'm about to uh, uh, be grumpy about the Brewers. So last year, right. As many of you know, if you've been listening to this for a long time, I was pretty dejected on baseball at the end of the year. I was pretty down and out. I didn't even want to see it. I didn't want to think about it. I didn't want to hear about it. I didn't want anything to do with baseball. I needed some months off, which we had um, in the offseason, which was nice. But the Brewers trading Josh Hader in the middle of a – when they're up in the division, and then – and then – um losing missing the playoffs everything that was the worst that was the absolute worst and i know josh Hader didn't have great stats but it affected the rest of the team and they were too stupid to realize that trading one of somebody's buddy away is going to affect the team and then they go out this offseason and and it's super frustrating it was super frustrating and it, it it really destroyed my love of baseball last year oh and then they go out in the offseason i have a couple months to completely forget about the brewers and then you see a prospect this, and you're like, all right, you know, the prospect lists are looking good. Jefferson Cuero, Jackson Churio, uh, Sal Freelick, Joey Weimer. Like, we're good with the new rules. I expect some big things out of Garrett Mitchell. So, like, it's exciting. It's exciting. And then the Brewers don't sign any free agents. Legitimately, they signed Wade Miley. To a $4.5 million deal, and that was their free agent spending, which I shouldn't complain to Jimbo because the Tigers had one of the worst offenses in baseball last year, if not the worst, one of the worst I've seen, and they in spent history. no money on offense. I think in, in history. Yeah. So I realize I shouldn't complain to Jimbo about this. Um, so I'm complaining to everyone else listening. But then, so after <laughs> after all of the shenanigans they pulled last year, what did they do? They go to an arbitration hearing with their best player in Corbin Burns. They file for 10.01. Corbin files for 10.75. The Brewers win. Woohoo. You save $749,000. Congratulations. And you alienated your best player. He came out. He was asked questions first day of, of training camp yesterday and or spring training and he said basically that they went out and said he was the reason why they missed the playoffs. Not trading your closer midseason. Not all the injuries that happened to the rest of the pitchers. Corbin Burns, your best player, was the reason. Not the not the 235 team average down the stretch, but it was Corbin Burns who was the problem that they missed the playoffs. Um, and he basically said it's going to be really hard to uh, – overcome this from a from a relationship standpoint and then look i get it was burr's going to be able to sign corbin burns to a long-term extension no no they were not um i've seen some absurd absurd numbers of brewers fans being like just give corbin burns like a three-year 60 million dollar extension no like he's not gonna take that <laughs> no uh as as corbin burns Two years from free agency is not going to buy out one year. And and the rationale is probably he gets 10 million this year, 20 million next year, and then you give him 30 million 
He's not going to buy out one year of free agency for $30 million. I've seen people say, give him a five-year $150 million deal. No, that's not going to work either. We're talking about a dude who's probably going to get close to $35 million a year over the course of six, seven, eight seasons, considering how young he is. So I know we're not going to resign him, but it's still so stinking frustrating after last year to then go for 750k. And I get it. They get 750k this year, his salary, you know, goes up significantly more next year. If he gets 750 extra, he's going to get, you know, 2 million extra next year than he would have type of thing because it builds on itself. But it's your best player, and it's such a bad look, and it's such a bad look for fans. And I've gotten to the point where I'm a diehard Brewers fan. I've loved the Brewers fans, or the, I've loved the Brewers. I spent a lot of my life, especially 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, watching before I got like a, a summer job, watching every Brewers game every single time it was on. We're talking 130 Brewers games a year that I would watch. And then playoffs if they made it to the playoffs, right? Can't do that as much anymore when I when I'd have college and all that stuff once I got older. But I'd still watch as many games as I could, and I and to this day with with work I still put the games on every single night now and I can watch more. Mark Adonis's cheapness and the Brewers' inability to treat people like humans. Corbin Burns, Josh Hader. Um, Seems like a lot of guys don't want to be there. Uh, they don't have Craig Council re-upped for another contract. He's not sure what's happening next year. It's gotten to the point where part of me doesn't want to be a Brewers fan. Whoa. I just want to say good riddance until they get rid of Mark. I want until they get rid of Mark Adonazio and upper management. Part of me, not all of me, because I'm still Milwaukee through and through. I don't really want to support that team um, until they get rid of who's at the head of the team. Dude, that's intense. That is, we're going to have to clip that. We're talking about somebody who is one of the biggest Brewers fans. I love the Brewers. And they're there. What they have done the last season and a half has caused me to essentially just strongly dislike them i'll still watch the games because there's still players i like corbin burns brandon woodruff willie adamas but the team itself and the guys at the top i want them gone yeah it's tough man it really is it's tough being loyal to uh to a fan base when when stuff like that happens um that's where and i know it I'm going to play the other side of this, but that's where it's tough because it really is part of just part of business. And that's where it's tough because like their business, you know, they sell enjoyment and passion, you know, and all that to fans, but it's not like to them, it's not the same. You know what I mean? Not always. Now the Tigers owner is different. We're not any good, but. Well, you spent a ton of money on the team. Yeah, you like know. Illich, like the, the original owner of the or you know, Illich, uh, before he passed away, he goes, I want to make sure Miggy it, uh retires as a as a tiger. He goes, I he basically knew he was gonna overpay him and he wasn't gonna get his money for for an extension um that he signed. Like he really should have he like Miggy had I don't know, I, I would have to look this up, like three years left, but he they signed him to an extension to have him go until this year just because he, the, the, the original owner, he was about to pass away. He goes, I want to show my like gratitude towards him. You just don't see that in baseball very often. You know what I mean? Like, and now it hurts the team because I mean, I would rather pay Miggy all this anyways, but like it does hurt the team when you have, when you do things like that. But at the same time, I wouldn't want it any other way. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's one of those things where Yes, paying that money kind of stinks, but also having that face that Tigers fans can come to the game and know they're going to see Miguel Cabrera, no matter mm -hmm. if he's 28 or 39, that is important. And knowing that the owner is going to take care of his players, that's important. What the Brewers have done the last two years, I don't think anybody on that team says, I think they're going to take care of me. 
Yeah. And that's tough for the longevity of it. And um, honestly, if I think if uh, if your guys as brewers, if they start off cold and Corbin, Corbin Burns, Burns is doing well, I bet they I, I wouldn't be surprised if they trade him halfway through or something to, to try and get something back. And who knows, though, really you imagine how much you're going to get if you can get Corbin Burns for two playoff runs. Dude, like the value, yeah, I mean, the value of trading for him today and the value of trading for him at the trade deadline are no different. Because at yeah. the trade deadline, there's going to be all the teams that really need him. Like every team could use him right now, but when you get that pressure of ha- having to wanting to do well in the playoffs when you've gone halfway through the season, it builds. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I just I and and you you talk about you know they're trying to sell fan entertainment and stuff. Well, one way to not do that is by alienating your fans. And I'm not alone. Oh yeah. I, am, I mean, I, if I, I was am Brewers not fan. alone. There is a lot of Brewers fans that today hate the Brewers. Yeah. The thing that's frustrating is you're like the, the Brewers team is so close. You know what I mean? Like they have, they have the pieces, good bullpen, good rotation, solid, position players like they're so close where it's like they just need that little extra gear to get them passing i'm not even saying bringing extra players in it's more of like just getting the morale of what you have yeah <laughs> you know what i mean the only, like the only hope they have of salvaging morale is by is by uh <clears throat> like let's face it jesse winker's not going to bring morale from everything i hear about that guy um he's hilarious Chris, Christian Yelich has put on a lot of weight. Apparently, he's up to 215 pounds, heaviest of his career. Looking to looking to add some thumps. So who knows? Maybe that will help. But I think the biggest thing that the Brewers can do now is, you know, bringing up the Garrett Mitchells, bringing up the Sal Freelix, and just letting the young kids inject some youth and enthusiasm into that team um, that you would hope would come from some of your pitchers now because they're all young and really good, but. You've just destroyed that. Yeah, I agree. So, I agree. But let's let's move on. Let's move on because uh, this is a baseball card podcast, not a baseball podcast, and nobody wants to hear me rant and rave about how trash the Brewers are. So we will move on to the 2023 Tops Series One review. Um, just came out. Jimbo got to see a lot of it ripped, which is very cool, and will be a helpful uh antidote to this uh podcast but before we get into that let's break down um the parallels real quick so number one i'm sure you've all seen the design kind of looks like a video game with the head in the corner it's been decisive or divisive uh between people and um personally i like it jimbo do you like the design this year or no I like it. And there'll always be people that like it and dislike it. That's just the name of the game, but I like it for what it is. And I think it's a great product looking this year, especially the inserts. Good. That's good to know. Um, Because, uh, you know, you get a lot of inserts in like retail and stuff and the better the looking inserts, the better you feel about ripping retail. (laughs) In my experience. Um, so we've got the parallels here. Gold foil, one and two packs in jumbo. Rainbow foil, one and ten packs. Royal blue, one and ten packs in retail. Gold out of 2023. Green foil board out of 499. Advanced stat out of 300, which personally, advanced stat is the stupidest parallel in the history of the world. Just has different statistics on the back. You can't even tell the difference of the card. But whatever. Um, <clears throat> orange foil board out of 299, red foil board out of 199, vintage stock out of 99, independence day out of 76, black out of 72. I will say this it's going to be real dumb once black becomes higher numbered than, than independence day because they keep ticking that up once one per year along with golds. And I wish they'd just keep it at like 68. Or 71 or something and stop taking it up because eventually nine years down the line, it's going to be at 80 or 81 and, and it's going to be five past independence day. And that just doesn't seem right to me. So hopefully that either resets or they stop doing that. Um, Mother's day 
pink out of 50, Father's Day blue out of 50, camo out of 25, platinum out of one, printing plate out of one. Um, and then in hobby, you have clears out of 10, but that is, of course, only a hundred subject checklist. Every single break or set, it's only a hundred subject checklist, so it's not all uh, what 330 cards. And then you have this year, I don't, Jimbo, I don't know if you saw any of those golden mirror image variations. Did you witness I think any I saw, of those? I think I saw one. Jimmy did a jumbo box, and I think he pulled one. I can't remember who it was, but I think it was, I think it was that. It had like a different tint on the card, right? Yeah. So the golden image variation, the tops logo is gold. And then on the back, by the uh, by the number, there will be a giant SSP, so that you know it's yeah. super short print, which is cool. I wish they did that for more things, uh, for image variations, as opposed to uh, having to find the number on the back. Yeah, I do like that because yesterday we were going through a lot of the cards on the back, uh, or like going through a lot of them, like like looking to see if we missed any of the uh, like short prints, and it was way easier to look at it like this way than the little serial number. Mm-hmm. The, the little serial number thing is a is 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 frustrating, very it frustrating. Um, and you know you rip enough, you usually know notice short prints, right? Just mm-hmm. naturally, but there are still times where short prints can escape you. Uh, in stuff like this. And so it would be nice if they just had it marked like they do the golden mirror image variations. Um, that being said, those are the those are the inserts. It hasn't changed at all since they added in the foil boards a couple of years ago. It hasn't changed. It's the same outside of gold's taking up one and black taking up one. Um, and then the golden mirror image variation, which is one. They have one of those for every card, all 330 cards in this checklist. Um, That's cool. Have a have a variation, which I think is kind of fun because, you know, a lot of times it's just, you know, the the top cream of the crop. But if you are a Marlins fan and you want a Tanner Scott variation, absolutely. I I love that aspect of that. Like, (laughs) spread it out, man. I love it. Now I wonder what they do for like. There's card 190 bro time New York Mets. I wonder what they do with that. The image variation, that. That's a good I question. Guess we'll, I guess we'll find Probably out. What'd you say? Probably like a picture of them celebrating or something like, uh, you know, I don't know. I feel like they always find something cool. That's There's true. so many games in baseball in that. Tops is usually really good at finding good images, so I have no doubt. But let's move to the base rookie set checklist. This is the most important thing. Um, you know, it's it's in in top series one and Jimbo. You can you can give your take. For me, it's not about the autos, though. It's nice to hit one, right? It's not about the jersey cards, or the bat cards, relic cards, whatever, um, or the commemorative patch cards. It is about the parallels of the rookies. Absolutely. So, you agree? Yeah. Oh, thousand percent. And I actually was ta- telling this about to someone um, two days ago in the shop. Yeah, like uh, hitting an auto is nice. Don't get me wrong, but most of the time it's like I'm hitting a Joe Musgrove Padres auto. Cool, might be able to sell it for five to ten bucks. Not really that important, right? Mm-hmm. Um, hitting a rookie auto is is hard, especially when the checklist is three hundred thirty names long. So then you're just going for parallels of rookies. And this is we'll run through the names. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna just gonna blow through these names. So everyone Go. put your listening ears on. Michael Grove, Nolan Gorman, Riley Green, Zach Thompson, Josh Smith, Brian Servan, Matthew Libertor, Jeremiah Jermaine Palacios, Ivan Herrera, Travis Swaggerty, which I'm do not remember Travis Swaggerty getting called up last year. I was shocked by that. Caleb Killian, Josh Win- Winko Whiskey, Ethan Small, shout out, Brewers, Brett Brady, Corey Lee, Tristan Casas, Oswald Peraza, Jonah Bride, Brandon Hughes, Hunter Brown, Oscar Gonzalez, Shea Langlers, Nolan, Nolan Jones, Buddy Kennedy, Marcus Wilson, Lennon Sosa, 
Jonathan Aranda, Kyle Stowers, Miguel Vargas, Jeter Downs, Michael Massey, Gabriel Moreno, Cody Clemens, Nick Prado, Brian Bello, Davis, Mar- Davis Martin, J.J. Bladé, Gunnar Henderson, Derek Hall, Graham Ashcraft, Michael Harris the second. I thought it was here. Michael Harris the third. My bad. Iorva Preguero, Evan Lee, Adley Rushman, Max Castillo, Mark Apple, which is funny because he finally has a rookie card after being picked number one like 10 years ago. Steel Walker, mm-hmm. Vaughn Grisham, David McKinnon, David Villar, Ezekiel Duran, Vinny Pascotino, Christopher Morrell, Cal Mitchell, Gerard Encarnacion, Cade Cavalli. That is the entirety of the 56-name rookie checklist. A lot of names there, but the thing that stood out to me, Jimbo, was while there isn't necessarily the Julio Rodriguez and Wander Franco tip top of the iceberg, uh-huh. um, and mainly because like Adley is from a from a prospect pedigree standpoint, Adley is just as good as them. Um, but and from and from like a value standpoint on a baseball field, he's just as good as them. Mm-hmm. The issue is he's a catcher, so that upside is is taken down a notch. Um but you look through this. I mean, we're talking Nolan Gorman, top hundred prospect. Riley Green, top hundred prospect. Matthew Libertor, pitcher, but top hundred prospect. Brett Beatty, top hundred prospect. Oswald Peraza, top hundred prospect. Um, Shay Langlers, top former top hundred prospect. Nolan Jones, former top hundred prospect. Miguel Vargas, top hundred prospect. Gabriel Moreno, top hundred prospect. Brian Bello, pitcher, yes, but former top hundred prospect. JJ Blade, former top hundred prospect, now in now uh, A. Um, Gunnar Henderson, t- obviously top hundred prospect, not to mention number one prospect. It's funny that they have Adley Rushman and Gunnar Henderson on here, who are both former top number one prospects, despite the fact that they're in the same rookie set. Well, and Riley Green. And um, oh yeah, Riley Green was first overall or first. I forgot about that. Uh, yeah, and dude, this it, there's a lot of depth with this too. Like for me, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you out. No, no, you're that. good. You're good. You're good. Go, go, go. Yeah, like for me, it's interesting because you got like a, and I know like the Brave. I I I'm, promise you, I'm not a Braves fan, but I'm just I'm noticing some things here, like. It's nice. There's Vaughn Grissom where he doesn't have a lot of cards. He like he has a rookie in this. Michael Harris, I feel like he wasn't in a lot of stuff. He's in this, and some of the other names as well that are in this. I think there's a lot of depth where it's like we're going to be seeing a lot of these names doing very well this year, and instead of them doing well and then being a product, it's the opposite. They're in a product and then they're going to do well, where it's going to be exciting. Where this product, you know. People are gonna the people are gonna do breaks. People are gonna open this stuff and throw it in a box, and then they're gonna look at it by the end of the year, and they're like, "Man, that was a really good box." And pick out all these. I agree. Rookies. I mean, we're talking if if my count is correct, because uh, you know you have Michael Harris as well. I over Paguero, Adley Rushman, Von Grissom, Ezekiel Duran. Was he a former top hundred prospect? Like I think we're and Kate Cavalli for the Nationals. I think we might be at like 13, 14 former top 100 prospects plus guys like Vinny Pasquatino. He wasn't a top 100 prospect, but he's stud. Yeah. You know, I mean, you got Miguel Vargas, JJ Blade. Like, they're like even players like that. Miguel Vargas was a top 100 prospect. Yeah. Like, he's awesome. Like, there's some, there's some really good names in this for the rookie class. And like Gunnar Henderson, like, I feel like people aren't talking about him enough. Like his upside is crazy. Yeah. Now the question is, he has he has Jackson Holiday now breathing down his neck. Everything I, I read about Jackson Holiday is like the most glowing things you've ever seen. <laughs> so yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just it's it's insane depth. So okay, like look, I like Gunnar Henderson, I like Adley Rushman. I like Riley Green. I don't think any of us think to ourselves those three players and then say same level of Wander and Julio Rodriguez, right? From a from a from a a, a dollar a dollar and cent standpoint, not from a baseball standpoint. Okay, yeah, right. Not not from a baseball standpoint, specifically for cards. Um, 
So like it it's not it's not the insane insane um quality like the the top flight quality from last year was insane. Bobby Witt, you know, but mm-hmm. the 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 second tier quality, I will say, I'll call it second tier quality and the quality depth of this checklist is bonkers. Like, like, would you be shocked if both Gunnar Henderson and Adley Rushman go out there and become five win players this year? Not, not in the slightest. Me neither. I, I would, and and I, add Michael Harris to that. I wouldn't be shocked. Would you be shocked if Vinny Pasquatino ends up with thirty bombs for the Royals this year? I wouldn't be shocked. Not at all. You know. And then and then you got guys like Brett Beatty. Brett Beatty. Tristan Costas. Like I think the Mets did it. I think honestly the Mets are better off with with giving Beatty a shot at his like where his upside and his contract compared to a Correa, Correa a Carlos Correa. Honestly, yeah. I was saying this uh, in the shop yesterday. I'm like, I think Brett Beatty is a sleeper in this because there's just so many names now that some of these guys are getting slept on. Yeah, easy. They're easily getting slept on. I mean, who's buying? Who's hoping for Nolan Gorman with the other names out there? I forgot about him. You know, now obviously Nolan Gorman, he was potentially offered in a trade. Um, I forget what the trade was. We talked about it a while ago, but there was an offer out there. Um, and the A's, dec- I think it was the A's declined it. I think, was it, was it the, I have no idea. Was it the, um, um, the, the catcher they traded? Why can't I think of his name? The catcher they traded to the Braves. Oh, Sean Murphy. Sean Murphy. I think in the Sean Murphy deal, they were offered, they offered Nolan Gorman and somebody else, and they turned it down. And Dylan Carlson, really, and they turned I, and they turned it down, um, and I took the deal, the other deal they got. And so it's like, now obviously that's the A's, and they're questionable at best on what they're trying <laughs> to do. Um, but but like, if all of a sudden Nolan Gorman is getting turned down, that's a little bit concerning. That being said. There's still huge upside there, and they're not talking about Hunter Brown. Hunter sure. Brown looks like the next Justin Verlander, from from mechanic standpoint. And mm-hmm. like, what if he does become the next Justin Verlander? And we fast forward 13 years, and you could have got his cards dirt cheap, and then they turn into what Verlander and Max Scherzer cards have turned into. You know, like it's just it's just absurdly abs- It's an absurd. It's an absurd checklist from from Oscar Gonzalez. We didn't cover Oscar Gonzalez for the Guardians, but there's upside there. Dude, he's big home run in the was, playoffs last year. He was extremely underrated last year. People weren't talking about him or Stephen Kwan. Yeah. Enough. I mean, let's 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 take a quick peek at Oscar Gonzalez's uh he was worth two point one wins above replacement. I, I know two point uh, wins above replacement has its has its fallacies but 2.1 wins above replacement in 362 at bats last year he had a 125 ops plus um which is really good obviously and uh he hit 296 327 on base percentages is a little bit like too close to your batting average for my comfort but still we're talking about a dude who in 91 games had a 789 ops a 125 OPS plus. And he's just, he's an afterthought on this list. Same with yeah. a guy like Iover Peguero, former top hundred prospect, but an afterthought. Yeah, I agree. He's got a lot of talent. Um, I do. So one thing that I do love about this set as well are the inserts. Like they, there's this, uh, the ACE set with like the, the, the playing cards, you know, the yep. ACE. Those are sick. Those are sick. Dude, they feel different too. They're like made out of something different. Like I love those. I think those look very sharp. I saw um, celebrity card breaks, the ones that have Blaze Jordan as their co-owner. Mm-hmm. They did. They did series one rips in the one day, and they hit a Pedro Martinez auto of that card number to ten. 
oh, I didn't know there was, that's really cool. See, like I would love, I love stuff like that. I think they're just well-designed, well-made and um, it's cool to get cool, like to have inserts like that. Yeah, I got to find, I got to find the, uh, I'm trying to find the autograph. What, do you know what they're, do you know what the, the uh, insert set is called? Uh, I think it's just all, aces. Like all aces. I get it. Yeah. 18 cards, serial number 25 or less. Alex, Man oh, so it is just, it's just pictures. Um, Alex Manoa, Aaron, Alex Manoa, Aaron Nola. That say that five times fast. Bob Gibson, Corbin Burns, Carlos Rodon, Dylan Cease, Greg Maddox, Joe Musgrove, Julio Reyes, Luis Castillo, Nolan Ryan, Pedro Martinez, Randy Johnson, Shane Beaver, Sony Gray, Shane McClanahan, Shohei Otani, Steven Strasburg. That's sick. That's a sick yeah. list of pitchers. I like and it. number 25 or less is really cool. I might have to end up with the Corbin Burns one, even though he's going to be gone in uh, half a year. Yeah. Yeah. So That's sad. But yeah, they're there. And I saw the refractor finish on those Aces cards. They're really cool. And then they have that mm -hmm. lumber card. The also lumber. pretty cool. Um, Did you see one of those? I'm trying to think of which one that is. Um, It looks like a piece of wood. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've seen. Yeah, those are cool. I, I like thought those. that. I thought that was pretty cool. Heavy lumber. Yeah. Gonna, so I like those. Kind of burned in. It looks like the the name of the player and the logo are burned into the card, like a like wood burning. So I thought that was cool. Um, just uh, just in general. Don't need to cover too much more time on top series one, I suppose. I just. Yeah, you know, obviously, Topps flagship is always great because it means baseball is right around the corner. True. And from a from a from a like this series one is much better than last year's series one. That last yeah. last year's series one had Wander, had O'Neill Cruz. Bobby Outside Witt. of that, it's real bad. Was Whereas, Bobby Witt in that one? No. He was okay. So he, Bobby Witt, their first paper cards are update. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, so like this is way series one this year is way better, way deeper, uh, way more interesting names. And I, it's it's gotten to the point where like you go through that list and you see all those names. Would you be shocked if five of them, let's say five of them became all stars? You know, I wouldn't that all actually. Or actually, five of them hit five wins above replacement, or something like that. You know, I wouldn't be shocked if a Gabriel Moreno, and an Adley Rushman, and a Gunnar Henderson, and a Michael Harris all became five wins above replacement players, and then you just choose one more to really shock, and then you get a couple guys that are probably going to be good: Von Grissom, Vinny Pasquatino, Oscar Gonzalez. You know, and and like a Riley Green, I, I I just I'm a little bit I'm a little bit like hesitant on Riley Green just because we saw what their offense did last year and they didn't do anything. Like they just needed like do something, grab one guy. Don't don't even get me started, dude. I will be a floodgate. Yeah, I okay. I won't. Maybe next we can we can complain. You can complain about the Tigers next week, so that people don't have to hear yeah. two complaints in one day. Um, <laughs> that's you're right. Can uh, I? There is. Uh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just I I was just saying that I just I think this is an excellent, excellent, excellent checklist. But I think it's like an excellent checklist from like a a wait and see. Like yeah, me buying it right now and ripping it. Do I think I'm gonna make my money back instantaneously? No. No, I don't. Um. But I do think that when you fast forward six months, a year, you are going to be like, oh, wow, there's a lot of good players in here. So it's like a fine line between ripping now and hold and being willing to hold or just buying singles of the guys you like online. Um, yeah. And speaking of rips, uh, do does Kentucky basketball card shops have rips of Series 1? Yes, we sure do. We have them in shops at all of our shops in Lexington, New York, um, Cali, uh, when they're online, Dallas, 
Uh, but we will also be doing breaks, which is on our website, theroadshowcards.com. We will be doing breaks on that as um, and a bunch of other stuff, as always. Sweet. So there you go. If you are looking for top series one rips, go check out the roadshowcards.com. Absolutely. Roadshowcards.com. Or if you live in an area where there is a roadshow shop, you can also go in there and check that out. Say, uh, tell them Nate and Jimbo sent you and maybe they'll give you a smile. Yeah. Do that. Tell the, the, tell them that, that, uh, that you heard it over on Dean corners and, that they're that they that you guys love baseball as well because most of the Bry who does our breaking on our website or uh, like on YouTube for us he loves baseball as well so he's always down to talk baseball and um, and all of the guys in the shops too they absolutely love baseball so perfect um, but, Jimbo your review on series one or what you're gonna I say like, right now yeah well that and so yeah. I, I personally love series one. I like the checklist this year. I think it's exciting. You got Riley green in it, you know, by his opinion, I am excited for that. Cause you know, as a Tigers fan, it's fun having a rookie that you can get excited for and hit. Um, but it, on top of that, I wanted to bring up, I know last week we were talking about the different products, you know, different tops products. And, you know, I was, remember when we talked about Ben Baller and I was like, nah, I don't know about that one. Well, yep. We got some in yesterday, and Jimmy did uh, three or four boxes of it. And dude, that stuff is sweet. I will. I okay. Here, real quick, real quick. They don't chance on the color in Ben Baller. No, they give you a lot of color. And same with the Aoki um, soccer products. Steve or uh, what? Yeah, is it Steve? Yeah, Steve Aoki. Steve, okay, I was like, all of a sudden, I was like, Steve doesn't seem right. Um, yeah, uh, Steve Aoki products—they give you a ton of color, and it looks good. But from like a resale value and stuff, I'm always like, all right, if I'm buying this card, you know, if I'm I'm looking for Riley Greens, right? And I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, what do I want to buy, um, to make sure that I have, uh the appropriate cards that go up in value in the future. I'm not thinking Ben Baller tops Chrome, even though it's, it is a, it is a very fun rip. You can do a lot worse for fun on a rip than Ben Baller. Dude, the base cards looking like, look fantastic. I'm telling you, dude, have you, uh, have you held any in person? I, I held 2021 Ben Baller. Um, okay. This year is, I think is way different. And um, I've done the Aoki uh, cards. I don't get me wrong; I think they look great. I just, I just, you know how it is. So many yeah, products, hard to figure out. But from a fun rip standpoint, it is, it is, it is a very fun rip. Like, mm-hmm. I'd rather rip one of those than a Topps Chrome box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how that's how I am with that. Once I saw it, I'm like, yeah, I instantly was like, man, I got to go on this week and retract that statement because that these are like they were i was very excited about them nice what was the best hit <laughs> he pulled a wander to 25 oh wow like dude there was it was loaded like a bryson stott auto to 25 like wanders like bobby witt like Bryson's yeah it was it was really it's nice yeah i yeah it's it's, it's hard it's fun it's fun i i don't want I, I guess I should be more careful when we talk about things because there's things that are fun. Yeah. That's to rip, but maybe not the best resale value. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're ripping to make money, you're already losing. Mm-hmm. Usually. Yeah. So uh, what the, the reason I rip is because I just, I, I enjoy it a mm-hmm. lot. I enjoy just seeing what's in there. And I enjoy just kind of keeping the cards. Every once in a while, I'll sell them when, like, I'm like, ah, I should, probably should just sell it and take the money. But I enjoy, like, ripping and having those cards and being like, yeah, I pulled that myself, you know? Yeah, I know. When you pull something yourself, it's definitely has way more meaning than, like, buying a single of something, like, for a PC. Correct. It's just different. So Significantly more. So, yeah. So, well, I think we're in agreement. 
2023 top series one is a win both checklist wise and um product wise and quality of the cards good shape that you guys were ripping any any damage to report not not that i saw okay. not that i saw they were all Turnering nice and uh, everything was great it was fun man we, we also had a bunch of the uh like the pre-release you know like the uh, what is it like the, with the little stamp? You know the ones that you got me last year of Miggy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The so we like we had some of those, which was really Series fun. Packs. Did you rip those? Yeah, yeah. We had a we had a bunch of those. It was fun because we had we did like the pre-rip party where like we were online the day before the the release. Yeah, the fourteenth Valentine's yeah. Day. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. And then so, but we had a bunch of those packs that we were opening and, and giving out like when people came in. Basically, we always ask like what their favorite team is, and then we find cards to to give to people to make sure they're walking out the door with something. Um, my favorite team is the Orioles. <laughs> Take a Gunnar Henderson yeah. or an Adley Rushman, and then sell it online for like five hundred bucks. Yeah, that's true. So, but uh, my my one and only gold label from SGC is a Premier Party Pack card. I think that's so cool because. It might, it probably is that. I remember you telling me that that's probably the only single one out there. That's, I got a gold, gold label. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, gold labels are impossibly hard. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing like, people, when they were there, like they didn't have sleeves, you know, they didn't, you know, yeah. take them home, like all that. So, like, you probably literally have the only one. It's true. It's true. It's cool. And, and yeah. Yeah. I, uh, it, now, of course, Ashby is now out for a couple months with shoulder fatigue and all that good stuff, and it's like, uh, uh oh, uh oh, can't go down that road again. Yeah, don't go down that road. Okay, no, but moving back, moving on. Um, let's move on from Series One, um, and Brewers and Tigers talk. Let's go to Jimbo's prospect of the week, and we'll let's end it off it, with this. All right, I'm gonna bring a player, and I promise you, I'm not a a Pirates homer. I'm not even a Pirates fan, but I just want to bring some players that I think are exciting with upside that in that have some characteristics of things that I look for that aren't traditional. Um, And that's why I'm going to bring up this kid. Um, And his name is Lonnie White Jr. Ooh. And he is Pirates outfielder. And before you poo-poo on him, I will. I will admit, I've seen his name, but I've literally never looked him up. So this is fun. I know, but I know exactly where you're going, and I know exactly. Like I've already in my head, I know what 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 your thoughts are, which is fun though. Wait, wait, you might not. You might not. Oh, I I do. I know Nay, I know you way. I would know you well enough now, and it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Okay, actually, I'm seeing that strikeout rate. You know exactly what I'm thinking. <laughs> So here's what I'm thinking right now. I know I already, Nate, I know you well enough. We've been doing this for a while. Like we know each other where I know that that's that's what makes this fun picking players like this, because I know what you're thinking. I'm like, Ooh, this would be fun to talk about because I know what Nate is going to think. But anyways, okay, here's, here's the, uh, like, here's the, actually, you know what? I'm going to go with the negatives. Here's the negatives. Okay. You look at a stat line, you know, 2021, he gets drafted. He's in the complex league. He plays nine games. Doesn't do too well. You know, it's only nine games, but he has two home runs and he hits 258 with the 42.4 strikeout percentage. And, but it was in nine games. And then last year he played in only two games. He's 19 years old in complex because he had a little bit of uh, elbow so elbow soreness and then a hamstring uh, little issue there. So he played only in two games, but he had a home run in one of them, three ribbies, 42.9 strikeout percentage. But it, remember, it was two games. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're talking about eight. a grand total. These strikeout percentages, real quick, we're talking about a grand total of 40 career plate appearances. Exactly. So, like, Not that's why – but that's why I like to find kids like this because if someone has their card and they look only at their stats, they're like, oof, scary, right? Mm-hmm. But then, but it, you know, it doesn't tell the entire story. So, like, let's go back from the very beginning of so he was a, you know, a college bat out of, or no, sorry, a high school bat out of the draft. 
and young kid, super athletic, had a scholarship to Penn State. So, you know, obviously he has a lot of uh, athleticism, like upside. To play, multiple, which, to play wide receiver. Yeah, like he – I I like – like I like – like I like players like that um, when they're young because Gunnar Henderson was very similar to that. Like Gunnar Henderson was very – you know, needed a lot of development, but he had the athleticism for that upside. And I would rather take that at like a, at a discount and, and, and see how they progress. Now the injuries hurt, but I think this is like, if he comes out this year, it could be very interesting um, because one, the pirates think very highly of him. They drafted him and they gave him 1.5 million uh, in his slot value where he was, uh, where he was picked at was 1.05 million. So he basically got half a million more over slot, which is quite a bit. Um and he's got the power. He's got the speed. He's got the 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 frame. He's got you know he can hit. He, can I just know, all- can I just say that you undervalued what his speed ranking is there when you said got the speed? They give Go him a seventy it. out of a seventy out of eighty on the speed scale. He's got the speed, and then he's got more speed and more speed on top of that. Yeah, he's fast. Yeah. So. That, that also means like, okay, with that, he has the upside of, you know, playing center or, you know, playing like in center field where, you know, usually card values do a little bit better when they're playing in center field uh, on top of hitting well. And that helps the war, helps your stats and, and a lot of that stuff. Um, and overall, I just, I think there's upside with a kid like this. Like if you find five kids like this, um, you know, usually you, you, if you buy, you know, cards of all five of them and make your own little hedge fund of a, of prospects in this boat, like you're usually going to do pretty well. I feel like, um, obviously, you know, he's one that you have to monitor like where he's got to come out and have a pretty solid year this year because he hasn't done anything, obviously the last, you know, the year he was drafted and then last year with the injuries. So like the, you know, the timetable is slowing down. Um, but with that slowing down, also you, there is a discount with that because if this kid was drafted today, you know, it'd be a, his cards would be a totally different story on value-wise. So this is interesting. I like this, and I love that you brought this guy up because on one hand, you have obviously all the athleticism in the world, going to be a wide receiver and a center fielder. That's insane athleticism, and I love to bet on athleticism. On the other hand, you have high schoolers who just focus on baseball and don't focus on two sports, and they're miles ahead of Lonnie White Jr. when they get drafted. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then you need Lonnie White to catch up and hope bet on that athleticism to be able to catch up to his peers, which then missing a season um, at 19 is a major issue because he just he completely lost an entire season of trying to of trying to catch up to his peers. Um, because of playing two sports. Now, that being said, you know, as a as a as somebody who has seen players like this, Monte Harrison, guys like that, that just really end up flaming out in the in the majors. Um, I've I've seen it time and time again where these two star athletes end up kind of like not fulfilling on all that promise. But also, there's guys like Tyrone Taylor who did two-star athlete got up to the majors late, but he's been really good. Um, and in fact, I just saw a comparison of his statistics. I forget which other outfielder it was, but they're like, you wouldn't believe this, but Tyrone Taylor was basically just as good as this player. Now, if he can just get rid of his, his peaks and valleys guy, he'd go eight sixty, eight seventy OPS one month and then a 500 and then eight fifty, and then a 500 and then mm-hmm. eight, 90 and then 500 right um and i think a lot of that has to probably attribute to background multi-sport you know whatever um but i do think that a lot of these guys a lot of these two-star or two-sport athletes uh they figure it out jimbo can you still hear me yep okay jimbo was frozen on the screen there i was a little bit concerned uh they figure it out at some point in like the lower minors you don't need him to figure it out in the majors. You need Lonnie White Jr. to figure it out in the minors 
in a ball. And then all of a sudden he is tearing the cover off the ball for two months of a season and everyone is freaking out. And then mm-hmm. maybe he goes up to double a and struggles and whatever. But if you buy him when he's in the complex league and then you sell him when he is killing a ball. Yeah. You don't have the, you don't have the upside of him potentially becoming a five tool athlete in the majors, but you also don't carry a ton of risk because it's a lot easier for Lonnie white to figure it out in a ball and kill it. And you make money than him to, for you to hold all the way through till the majors. Yeah. And, and he's one of those kids where it's like, if he comes out and he destroys a ball, like if I would be like, I I would look into selling, you know, you know, potentially where if, if you get in early enough and then take the risk out of it, because there's so many kids like this, you can just buy into the next. But I'm telling you, like Gunnar Henderson, I, I remember like he he like there's so many players like this that are in the same boat. And honestly, with last year with the injur- injuries, I'm kind of curious because a kid like that, it almost slows them down where the athleticism is there. But the mental part is where like where it's not fully there where if he's sitting there every day with the coaches and just sitting there and asking questions and watching mm-hmm. plays and a lot film. More, yeah like doing charting like like just the little stuff that where if when he goes on the field he doesn't have to think i've read about guys that get injured and they can't swing a bat so they just stand in the batter's box and just track pitches with their yeah. eyes and then they come back and they're excellent at it, you know. Yeah. Now, obviously, and, it's case by case, but yeah, but I like I I like the bet. You know what I mean? It's like I would rather put see if you know if if, if this kid has some you know the potential than than maybe someone else. And we're talking point. we're talking prices here. Bowman Chrome Purple Auto PSA nine was the last auto that sold for thirty six dollars on the fifteenth. Um, same day, a base auto PSA nine sold for twenty five. Same day, an excuse me, an Aqua Lava auto number to one ninety nine sold for thirty seven. Blue Wave sold for fifty two. So, like, you could buy one decently nicer card and not break the bank whatsoever. You know. Yeah. Um. So, so like, there's, there's, it's, it's decent enough prices out there where. You can buy into Lonnie. Say you set a $100 budget. You can probably get your hands on four autos of Lonnie White for 100 bucks. Yes, well, sir. I like how you said it. Literally, there was a gold shimmer auto, PSA 9, sold for 100 bucks. Gold wave yeah. auto. And then a true gold, BGS 9.5, true gold auto, true gold auto for 280 Yeah. Now, now there, therein lies the difference between you and me, where you're like, all right, I'll buy that true gold, um, two eighty. Yeah. Where I'm like, a little bit too much of a risk for me to want to drop two hundred eighty bucks on on this guy for one card. I'd rather like divvy it up, hundred dollars, keep it small, divvy it up um, amongst four different cards, and then if he pops off, and but you want to hold a couple, you know, one or two, you can sell a couple, make your money back. And see what happens. You buy one two hundred eighty dollar Lonnie White, and he fails. Yeah, but but also, I don't know. I I like gold. Like when I when Bowman, I'm after the golds, orange and oranges and reds. Yeah, because at the end of the day, those are very hard to get, and those are what people want. Where and you can also you can kind of set your own price because the, with collector like for instance last year i wanted vaughn grissom very bad and it was very hard to find golds and oranges because people were hoarding them Mm -hmm. and that's what i feel like bowman collectors do so like when a player does well like you can set you can set your own price like if i were to buy that 280 i'm instantly setting that 650 where like if he does anything yeah like i don't know yeah, I, I, get you're you're I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I I understand what you're saying. It's just for me, like, and this is our this is our difference 
difference in mentality around it is that like you like the golds, you like the reds, you like the oranges, you're willing to take on the risk of Lonnie White failing for the significant upside that a gold provides. Right? You know, the the upside of a gold BGS 95 auto for 280 compared to spending $280 on Raws, that's significant. Yeah. That being said, for me, it's like I look at Lonnie White and I say, all right, there's a lot of interesting pieces here, but there's also a absurd amount of risk. Like oh, an absurd sure. amount of risk. For sure. Um, oh, if if we're talking if we're talking, you know, um you could either for two eighty you could buy say a Jackson Holiday base auto right now, and that's like buying a, a Toyota Camry um, that is functional and running. Or you could buy Lonnie White that is for 280 and that's like you got the body of a car, but you don't have any of the – you don't have all the pieces in it yet. But once it's done, it could be significantly better than that Camry – or you could never finish off fit the car, right? And then you and then you just yeah. wasted that money. Yeah, Does that makes sense. Uh, not really, but I could kind of see where you're going at. the The way I'm thinking is, okay, if, let's say a True Gold Auto at 280. Let's say he gets hurt again this year, three years in a row. Like, there's a chance for me to even sell that auto again at this this time next year for 200 because a Pirates collector might say, "Hey, at 200." you know, there, there's still potential in them. Right. So like for me, I feel like it's easier to move that. And then, and, and it's only one card rather than, and then the volume, because with volume now it's different. If you have like a shop or something, like if you have people coming in, uh, that's one thing, but with fees, like if you're not, if you're just a collector and you're selling on eat, like on these different platforms, there's fees that are usually, yeah. you know, tougher per card when they're lower but then also I look at it as like, I look at it as a whole, like, okay, if there's 10 players like Alani white and I buy, you know, 10 of their golds, like one of each of each player at 280, you know, I'm, I'm just under three grand and, but I have 10 true gold autos of players with very high upside. Like if you look at like a Bobby Witt or it's like someone, not like a Gunnar Henderson, like if you look at a true gold auto of him, like you only really need one or two of those players to pop off. And, and you cover the cost of everything else. In your gold, you see how the little uh, play on words there. I didn't even mean to do that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. uh, Gunnar Henderson, yeah, 2019. Oh man. Um, so Gunnar Henderson's last gold auto sold January 23rd, 2023, for $5,400. Boom. Is his first gold auto? Gold Wave Raw sold $136. True Gold sold $311. Those are the first ones. And, and, and we're talking those are the first ones. So if the, the prices go down from there. Um, number 37 of 50, March 2nd, $265. Bucks. So, yeah, the idea here is you spent $265 on Gunnar Henderson. You get a BGS 9.5 at that time for like, $15 you hold on to it for a few years and all of a sudden you sell it for three years and then you sell it for $5,000 you know so I, I I get the I get and then and then you buy you know you just spent you just spent $2,000 on 10 kids at at or $3,000 on 10 kids at $280 a piece you literally have one of those guys become a top prospect and you cover the cost of everything else. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying but, buy like like totally random players, but it's like if you put put your research in and kids like this with the upside, like that's that's kind of how I like to think um, when it comes to prospecting. Yeah, and he has a nice floor as with speed and defense and power, but um, I have I have also found that there's a lot of risk in that because nice floors don't mean you're going to become major league players if you don't have a good eye at the plate and you don't make good contact. Absolutely. More yeah. important than anything in baseball, good eye at the plate, good contact, 
you could everything else will fall in all fall into place. If you have those two things, they will find a position for you, even if you're not good at defense. If you're good but at you defense and don't have those two things, you're gonna be a utility player. Yeah. You can't teach athleticism, you can't teach speed. It's true. Um, and sometimes you can't teach uh good defensive instincts. Nick Cassianos. Yeah. So but we should we should close it off there. We are we are at the hour mark. Um, Jimbo, I love the Lonnie White pick. Uh, definitely gets the uh, gets the uh, imagination flowing there a little bit. So love that. Thank you for bringing that to the table. Um, and thank you, thank you for joining it because I did not think you were. What? Oh no, I I I love it. I you know it's easy it's easy to talk about the big guys. Um, yeah. And uh, and former first round picks and this and that. So I like I like diving into lesser guys, especially guys that I just kind of like. I see Lonnie White Jr. It's just kind of a boring name. No offense to Lonnie White Jr. Just kind of a boring name. So I just kind of pass it over. You and your and names, then, uh, man. Yeah, me and the names. Gunnar Henderson, not a boring name. Sal okay. Freelich, not a boring name. Lonnie White Jr. Kind of boring. Kind of boring. No, oh, Lonnie's pretty good. Lonnie's pretty good. Um, that being said, thank you everyone for listening to today's Dinging Corners. And uh, Jimbo and I will talk to you guys next Friday. See ya.